Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome to the kitchen table today. I cannot tell you how excited I am to talk to you today. We are talking about what it means to be a grace-filled warrior, and in the previous episodes, we have talked about how do we know our identity, that we were commissioned by God just for this moment in our motherhood, that these kids were given to us specifically by Him, that we are invited to walk triumphantly behind Him. He has won the victory, and we, so we can be confident in what we do, not because we have the answers, but because the one who does have all the answers listens carefully and intently to us, to our prayers, and longs to walk with us every moment. But today, we're going to talk about what we do, and that is that we speak in Christ to our kids. You and I if you if if we could catch this concept, I think it will radically change your motherhood. I know it has mine. And the concept is this: you and I, when when Jesus is who we follow, when He is our Savior and His Holy Spirit is indwelling us, we are given the sacred privilege to be a hope giver to our kids, to be the vision caster of what it means to walk this earth with a mentality or a a perspective of kingdom living, of living beyond just this moment. So I want to unpack that a little bit today. So we're taking all of this out of 2 Corinthians 2, verses 14 through 17. And what we're going to be looking at today is that part of the passage where he says, where Paul says that, you and I, he says, for we are not like peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. What does it mean for you and me to walk with Jesus in the day-to-day moments with our kids and speak in Christ? And I mean in the practical, because we can all talk about this in the theoretical and sit in our small groups and all the places and be like, yeah, we should talk to our kids about Jesus. And, and yeah, we should tell them there's more to this life than what they're going through. But how do we bring it in to the real life with our kids? And, and y'all, when I really begin to understand this is when some of my oldest ones were approaching those preteen years and everything started changing in my world. Because until then, I was a mama who was seeking to tell my kids about Jesus and we were in church and we read Bible stories and we did all the things that everybody else did. And it was going okay. I mean... It's going okay. 
and I'm a performance girl, so I felt like I was checking the boxes. And then it, it wasn't going okay. It just wasn't. All of a sudden, my top two began to hit those um, preteen years and different ways and different avenues and different conversations and different moments of discipline and big moments where they were hurt or felt anxious or felt worried or were discouraged in these moments, what I had felt lacking to offer them. And it's coupled with the very natural stage that they kind of go through in those preteen years where they're, they're, they're trying to push away and become their own man or their own woman. They're trying to understand who they are. And so there is this natural pushing away of you. And then culture says, oh, that's normal. Let them do it. You know, just you know, allow the time and disengage a little bit, let them go off and, and whatever. And I began to realize I wasn't sure what I was supposed to be about. And this is what God began to talk to me about. Primarily in Ephesians 1, there's a passage, um, Ephesians 1 verse, I have to look it up every time. I wish I could memorize these. Um, Ephesians 1 verse 18 says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What is the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? So what Paul is talking about here, if we put this inside of context, what he is saying is he's saying, this is what I'm praying for you, church of Ephesus, I'm, I'm not going to cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you, your eyes would be enlightened so that you could see the hope to which he has called you. And God began to say, Bethany, this is your purpose with your kids. This is this holy, sacred space I have invited you into with your crew. You see, I needed intentionality. I needed a framework within which everything could fall. Every conversation, every interaction, every moment in time. And I am telling you that if you can begin to listen to the Holy Spirit and in his word, begin to plant yourself down in this truth that you have been put here with your kids as hard as they may be, as challenging as they may be, as easy as they may be. They may be easy kids. You are still been given the role of hope giver to them. You see, our culture talks about hope different than the Bible does. So our culture says, well, I hope I get to go to get into a good college. I hope I can get on that team. I hope tomorrow we'll go get ice cream. We use the word hope and it's layered with some uncertainty. It's layered with a little bit like, this is my dream. This is my wish. This is my desire. I'm not sure if I get it, but I'm going to move in that direction. And the hope is I will get it. But the Bible When it uses the word hope, so wherever you see the word hope in the New Testament, and definitely in this Ephesians passage, it is not a dream, a wish, or at all layered in uncertainty. 
Hope is an expectation of what is sure. It is what is certain. It is characterized by confidence and trust. And you and I get to spend our days with our kids imbuing them with this idea that in Jesus Christ, there is great confidence and there is great trust. And you know exactly where you stand. Your identity is secure. Your performance is not needed. And instead, you can hope in what Jesus has given to you and has promised you. This is huge because when we begin to pivot conversations to that, when that becomes a framework that we interact with our kids, then it doesn't matter what it is our kids are doing. When that becomes the framework of my interactions, when I begin to go, okay, this is what I know. I know that I have been called to give hope to this child, the hope of the gospel. Jesus is for them. And in doing that, then I cast a vision forward for them, which is the second part of our purpose, where I am saying to this child, your life here is not the end. What you achieve here, it's not it. Where, whether you succeed or whether you fail, it's not it. That you, my child, have been blessed Because Jesus loves you and he is for you and he has an eternal plan for your life, an eternal perspective for your life that is beyond your comprehension. And it is for your good and his glory. And so with this framework in place, then when I interact with my three-year-old who cannot speak words of kindness to his brother and is constantly whining and irritating and disobeying all the things a three-year-old can struggle with, then I'm not surprised by these interactions. Instead, I almost can welcome them, not because they're easy and not because I'm, I'm fine with this and you can just do all you want and talk as ugly as you want, but because there is a purpose to those interactions, which is even with my three-year-old, I'm going to sit there and go, buddy, your words are important and you choosing to be kind is important, but I'm going to tell you something. You can never be kind on your own. You need Jesus. And he came because he knew that you with your mean words would need him to be your savior. And so today, when I'm going to encourage you to go back out and apologize and guard your tongue a little bit more, I am praying for you that you begin to understand how much Jesus loves you. He is for you, not just to save you, but to change the way you speak to your brother. And I know that he's going to do that in you. And so I give hope and I cast vision of who you're going to be as a man. You're not trapped here in the guy who always talks ugly to others, I there's a bigger vision for you, which is I'm praying that God gives you a sensitivity over your tongue and that you will one day be a man who speaks words of righteousness to others. So we can have these conversations with a three-year-old, but then when we begin to merge into this life of walking life with these sweaty, 
awkward, slightly antagonistic pre-teenagers, which one day like you and the next day you're totally uncool and embarrassing and you're never quite sure what day you're on. When you walk life with them, it is still the same framework. And so you can listen to the unpacking of their heart because I promise you this, the world says that your kids don't want you or need you. And I am telling you, your kids want you desperately and need you above anyone else on this earth. They need you late at night, sitting on their bedside or letting them sit on your bedside as they unpack their heart in the dark. They need your side hugs where you just kind of on the, on the sly, just come up beside them and give them a hug. They need your glances from across the room where you look at them and you give them a wink and a smile and they know, and they might be embarrassed, but they still need it. But they need you to give them hope because they are living and we are living in an ever increasing world of hopelessness where nothing is stable, nothing is guaranteed, where the very fabric of who they are is under attack by an enemy who wants to completely discourage and demoralize our kids. And so he uses peers and he uses social media and he uses shows and he uses experiences and he uses everything he can to convince your child there is no hope. And so you and I are the hope givers for our kids. It is a sacred privilege, a holy work. But it is a work that reaps great harvest. You know, when I sit with my 13-year-old and they begin to unpack the fact that they don't, they don't feel like they have any real friends And they're in that awkward stage and they're not sure, does anybody like me? And, you know, all that angst. You can sit quietly and listen and let them unload it. There's no point. I'm just going to encourage you. There is no point in just giving them empty promises and reassurances. Oh, people like you. You're great. You're so friendly. You're so stop with that. This is your opportunity to cement them in what God says about them. That is giving them hope. It is an intentionality, no matter the moment with our kids. So when you have a 16-year-old who is desperate for somebody to like him or like her, and everybody else likes people and has boyfriends and girlfriends, or or maybe they're you're cleaning them up because somebody that they liked has rejected them and it's painful and it's hard. It is an empty promise to say there'll be another one. Somebody else will like you. It's empty even to say you don't need them. You don't need a boy. You don't need a girl. We need to give them hope. And the hope is that God says you are precious in my, my sight and I love you. I love you so much. I sent Jesus for you. You were worth Jesus dying that I might know you. And we want to cement them down in the truths 
that the gospel says about who they have become and what God is doing in their lives, despite the pain that they are walking through. That is giving hope and that is casting a vision forward. So we want to give that hope of right here in this moment, God is for you. He loves you and we need to explore what he says about you. And we help them identify the feelings that they feel and the lies that they're believing. Specifically, their lies. Because they may feel like nobody will ever love them. They may feel like they're unworthy. They may feel shame because they did stuff they wish they hadn't done and they don't even want to unpack that with you. It may be any of those things and all of those things. But we want to help them identify the lies and walk them into the freedom of standing before Jesus. Fully forgiven, fully loved, fully known. So you and I, we give them that hope. We cast that vision forward. We say, not only is it for now, but this is for the rest of your life. God is God is engaging with you in a way that is for forever, for eternity, not just for 11th grade. When our kids are seniors and they're trying to figure out, are they going to go to college or are they going to get a job and what should they do and helping them make huge lifelong decisions? Are they going to marry this person? Are they going to go for this career? These are the spaces that we can layer in the hope that God does care about what they do, about who they marry, about who they become. He is engaged there. And we give them that hope. And then we talk to them about kingdom living here on earth. But we cannot, we want to always, the thing that sometimes really can catch me is, we want to be careful that we want to implant down that hope of who they are, their identity, because of who Jesus is. It's not about them. It's about Jesus. It's not about what they receive. It's about who is the giver, the author of it all. And then it makes sense. It makes sense to serve. It makes sense to be kind. It makes sense to listen. It makes sense to be in church. When you're a teenager or a college student and nobody else is, it makes sense because you have gotten to know the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who is your hope here on this earth. We get to do that with our kids in the everyday moments, these little micro moments when you're, and and I just want you to know something. I, I do not sit over here and, well, maybe my kids say that I do. I don't know. Um, I, I, I am not saying we give lectures every day and I am not saying that we Jesus juke our kids. So we, we do not flip everything into a Jesus moment and just Jesus it. We don't. And, and, but, but what we do is we understand the intentionality with which we interact with them. And we are constantly, I am constantly going, God, show me today a space in my child's heart that I can speak to with your hope. 
an assurance I can give them, a confidence I can leave with them, a space of love that they desperately need, a feeling of belonging that they want. Show me how I can engage with them in purposeful ways that just radiates you, Jesus. And help me, Jesus, to not get confused as to what role I play. And I think this is the final point before we wrap up, is you and I are the encouragers. So when we're a hope giver and we're a vision caster, it's like a cheerleader. We're like, let me tell you the good news. Let me tell you. Let me sit with you. Let me grieve with you and mourn with you. Yes. But let me pivot you to who you really need. So we're the encouragers in those moments. But we are not the potter. And I can get really confused there and have many times probably. And some of my kids will really can probably testify and give you a story. But we are, we're not. So it says in scripture that he is the potter and, and we are clay in his hands and that he is at work on us. And we mamas are encouragers as we sit alongside of the potter. But sometimes I am guilty of wanting to push my hands into that clay and make it bend because I feel like it's not changing shape fast enough. Sometimes I don't like the shape that it's taking. So I'm like, this is wrong shape, wrong shape. And I can tell you that there will be seasons in your life where you will feel like your kid is taking the wrong shape. Whether they are antagonistic to the word, they don't want to, whatever, be rebellious. They, th- th- you're going to feel wrong shape moments. And I need you to understand and remember you are an encourager. You are the hope giver and a vision caster. Yes, you hold the line. Yes, you pivot to Jesus. He is the only hope. But you are an encourager. You're not a potter with your hands on the clay. God totally knows the shape of your child. And he is totally, completely way more invested in your kid than you ever will be. No matter how it might feel in the moment. And finally, I think the other thing that sometimes I can do is as I just, I I just want to fix it. Like I see like a, a bad little tiny spot even. It's just a tiny spot. It's just not good. We just need to fix that one right there. You see that, God? It's just a little mischaracteristic thing. We don't want that. And I want to scrub it out. And even in that, God says, no, no. Your job is to encourage. Your job is to speak me, is to share me, is to plant your kids. Let them know there is a hope that is beyond anything this world will ever offer. Because if your kids are anything like mine, this world may seem great for a while. Things may work well. You may have some kids and things are working well. But if they are not planted in the hope of Jesus and they're planted instead in the hope of themselves, the world will not satisfy. And they will not have true peace and they will ultimately be desperate. And what I pray for my kids is that when their desperation leads them to look around their pig pen that they're sitting in as the prodigal son, and they go, you know, 
at least where I was before, maybe I'd get paid to work. I'm going to go back. And they will absolutely return to the only place that they have heard that there is hope, which is in Jesus. So you and I are hope givers. We're vision casters. It is big, but it is small because it's a framework. With intentionality, we begin to engage in it. I cannot wait to unpack this more with you. Honestly, we're going to talk about it in different age ranges. It's it's fun for me. And the reality is I have messed it up in almost every single age range that my kids are in. So I'm going to share tons of funny stories of what not to do, how not to do it in the weeks and months to come on these episodes. But for today, I want you to know God has commissioned you. He has chosen you for this, for these kids. They are yours because they are his. He loves them completely and wants them raised by you, with you giving them the truth of who he is and you helping them understand the vision he has for them. We are the encouragers, the biggest cheerleaders these kids have. So for now, trust him, align yourself with him, And until next week, walk confidently with him, for he is triumphant. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to BethanyKimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, When we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.